to Grid Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by one member of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters. Mo is off in wonderful Monaco. I don't think he's prancing around in any castles. I don't know how many castles were built in the south of France. He's out there covering a poker tournament. And Brett is hunkered down in his cave in Buffalo doing some work for the Grove Empire. But we are here to talk about the NFL draft, which begins tomorrow, the first of three days. Some prop bets, some narratives, and and other things. Apologies for the break. Just some hectic stuff going on at work that didn't allow us to do. I mean, we wanted to do Champions League hockey and basketball, but unfortunately, we were able to do none of them. At least we gave you that first Champions League pod because in the Final Four, albeit Roma got smashed, three of our futures are still remaining. We liked Roma, we liked Real Madrid, and we liked Bayern, of course. By the time you're hearing this, Madrid and Bayern might have, may have kicked off. It's an 11.45 p.m. Pacific time kickoff today recording this on Wednesday but hopefully you were able to make some money off of our football predictions DP it's good to be back on the mics with you sir hell yeah I'm ready to go talk some unprofessional yeah Roma was one of your dark horse picks and then you were really touting uh, Madrid there DP Madrid Kings Madrid is just the Champions League goats they're the best at it. They've always been the best at it. They continue to perform at that level. Cristiano Ronaldo is an absolute freak of nature when it comes to the Champions League, and he's been showing out again. So, I mean, going forward, can't help but think they're the favorites. I love how, not I don't love it because it killed me, but I love how everybody was right about Juve Spurs, too, in the end. You were right about the first leg. And you were, you were kind of interested in Spurs going through to the quarterfinals, but Spurs did Spursy things in Wembley, blew a 1-0 lead. They've, they've blown two massive 1-0 leads now. Uh, Champions League knockout stage, first round, and of course, the FA Cup fi- uh, semifinal against Man United. Very Spursy. I'm so glad I chose to root for this team. This is the perfect team for me. Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately, it's your fault. <laughs> I mean, you just you root for some really bad teams that just take nosedives after you start rooting for them. <laughs> we, well, we Jets, can, Knicks, Matt, I mean, Mets. I mean, come on. We can really blame Howard Swains and the rest of the Brits on the Poker Stars blog team. They're the reason why I'm a Spurs supporter, and he is a Spurs supporter as well, Howard. So apologies. Well, he's this. They've been in. They are like the Jets. They've not. I mean, they've won a couple FA Cups, but they've not won the Prem. Since the 60s, so just like the Jets. So the, the pain continues. I'm glad. We're going into a new stadium next year, back in Tottenham, away from Wembley, for, for more pain and more uh, horrific memories. So looking forward to that. But it is NFL draft season. The last time we talked about the drafts, we touched on it briefly. And I asked you about the quarterbacks, and you just you, you just spun off hot takes. I, I cranked the hot take like jack-in-the-box machine, and you just sprung out with takes. Uh, do you know more? Have you read more? Have you formed more opinions on this quarterback draft class? Yeah, I mean, I I've, I dove into to mostly the, the top, whatever, five or six guys. I mean, that's who everyone's talking about after that. Um, I mean, I 
couldn't tell Rich Ryan from fucking Luke Falk. So <laughs> who cares? Uh, but, you know, the top guys, the Sam Darnolds, Josh Allens, Josh DeRozans, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah, I mean, those guys. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's talk some QBs. All right, let's talk some QBs. We're going to, we're there. These are, this is the rundown that I sent to DP, and this is what we're going to go with. We're going to talk about this quarterback class because it is loaded from at least a hype perspective. Obviously, we don't know. It's hard to know the future. We don't know who's going to pan out, who's going to be good. But the way things are shaping up to be, it sounds like five guys will go in the first round, and there could be an outside shot that, I don't know, a Mason Rudolph, whoever that dude is, can sneak into the first round as well. If somebody at the back end is getting frisky, so there could be six guys, I don't know. Uh, so we're we're going to focus on probably that top five that DP mentioned. And let's start with probably the most polarizing of the bunch, and that is Josh Allen out of Wyoming. Uh, DP, what are your thoughts on this guy? Big guy, big arm. What are your thoughts on his prospects? Big guy, big arm, big fucking gamble. But I love to gamble. I love poker. I love to masquerade as a professional roulette player. And I like to bet on sports all the time. That's why I'm here on the Gridiron Gamble podcast. Uh, I mean, to me, Allen's the the more gambly pick out of out of this bunch. I mean, he's the go big or go home guy. Everything that I've read, seen, I did look up a little videotape. Surprisingly, yes, I did dive in that way too. Uh, I mean, it says that this guy has an absolute cannon for an arm. He's big. He's ready to go, but he's not as polished as some of the other guys. Um, but if I'm going for the next franchise QB, I'm going for a really high upside. I mean. I'm not an NFL GM, so that could totally leave me without a job in a year, but that's what I'm doing. Uh, that said, I like Allen the best out of anyone Whoa. of this draft class. Yeah, um, so, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to go number one overall because I, I don't know if he fits the Browns team uh, in terms of how I'm thinking about it, but whatever, that's a different, different debate. But, uh, I mean, I really like Josh Allen going to the Giants at number two. Uh, I mean, they need they need a big splash in New York. Okay, they've had a lot of shit happen with the Eli Manning and the coaches and the OBJ and all that sort of stuff. It seems to be falling apart there. They're in a massive market in New York City. You know, they need to make a splash. They're a big, huge NFL brand. So, with a big gun like Allen, I mean, why not swing for the fences? Eli's on his way out, and if you can, you know, do a holdover where Eli plays for another year and Allen doesn't have to just jump in and be that that starter ready to go. Uh, you can kind of polish him in the background and get him ready for a year down the road. I think that 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 works the most for me. In your opinion, who's been the best quarterback in the league over the last couple of years? Tom Brady. So that's where my questioning comes into this. So I, I appreciate, and we talk about range of outcomes a ton on this show. That's uh, me especially, and I can appreciate that. Josh Allen's top-end range of outcomes could be some sort of Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, gunslinging, absolute monster arm, throwing the ball downfield, killer guy, right? However, the way that the NFL is played now, it doesn't really matter how hard you throw the ball or how far you throw the ball. What Brady's done at his age... He's not. He doesn't have the arm talent that he once had, right? He's not going out there hitting his back foot and just throwing absolute seeds 20 yards down the field. 
He's making great decisions and he's making accurate throws. So, uh, and this is like a philosophical question. Like, I don't think Brett Favre would be as good in the 2018 NFL as he was in the 90s, where he was just like, okay, I'm going to take this seven-step drop and I'm going to throw this 30-yard post route and we're going to score a lot of points. Like, I, I think in order to play the position nowadays... You need to be able to make your first read, second read, third read, and then make a very like snippy, accurate 10 to 15-yard throw at a maximum. And, and I think that's kind of clouded my vision a little bit, and it's one of the reasons why I've downplayed Tom Brady because I like the guy that can throw the ball vertically. I like Jameis Winston. However, when Jameis Winston gets into a situation where he needs to go through his progressions and make an accurate throw... You know, sometimes he he's falling to the ground and throws a prayer into the air. And I'm just scared. I see a little bit too much of that out of Allen, where his ceiling is amazing, but the majority of his range of outcomes is an absolute fucking unmitigated disaster. That's my fear. Love it. Sounds like he fits the Giants perfectly. <laughs> he is. I mean, he is Eli. Like, he's like athletic Eli, right? Because Eli has been yeah, I mean, and the super Giants, inaccurate. The, I don't think you can overplay the fact that or overstate the fact that uh, the Giants need a, a big splash in that market, right? I mean, they, they're the Giants. They're in New York. They have to get a sexy guy. So that's why I think they need someone who has a bunch of big upside. Even if he's just throwing haymakers out there and they're falling incomplete. Well, that's the thing about the Giants is they've always had us to do the, the splashy dumb thing, right? Like the Giants, they're the Mara family. They do things right. They're classic NFL football. They've been around forever. They, they don't do, I mean, Lawrence Taylor, like, right? It's the last guy that was wild. Now, of course, it's OBJ. But they don't really do, we, we're the team that signs LaDainian Tomlinson, right? We're the team that trades for Brett Favre. We're the team that does all these splashy big name things where the Giants kind of stay the course. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, we'll get to the giants in a bit, but I personally think that we're going to see Josh Allen slide a little further than we anticipated. And I wish Brett was on the pod because I, I do think that what's going to happen is Josh Allen might slip to a spot where the bills, the bills don't want to give up their back end first round pick. Uh, right, they have. I think they have twelve and twenty-two right now. I can confirm that in a second. That is correct. And what they don't want to do is, they obviously need a quarterback. They traded Tyrod and they've signed AJ McCarron, so it's not like they're they're rich at the position. But they don't want to give up a ton of draft equity, especially where the Jets. I mean, we clowned on the Jets, myself included, when they made that trade. But the Jets did not give up a second first-round pick. In the trade, uh, they took the second round pick that they got from the Seahawks last year and their own second round pick. They kept their 2019 first, so they did not send two first round picks. Granted, they did only move up three spots, but I don't think the Bills are looking to package that together. But if we see Rosen start to fall, maybe towards, or excuse me, Allen start to fall to the double digit range, then I think the Bills can package something together like 12 and a second or 12 and a third and move up. So I, let's, let's just stay on this for a second. Go for it. Um, you know, because you, you brought in the Bills. I mean, they're sitting there at 12. Uh, I've also heard talks about Miami at 11, being interested in the QB. 
Um, I've heard Josh Allen's name thrown around. I've also heard Lamar Jackson's name thrown around. Um, so, you know, it just it works with the Bills that they need to get ahead of Miami if Miami is thinking about a QB for them to trade up. Uh, a little bit further down, you have the Cardinals at 15 and the Chargers at 17. Both those teams need to start looking at QB. Charger, char, sorry, Cardinals right away. Chargers still have Phillip Rivers, right? But, I mean, he's on the outs, right? They, I mean, they got to find someone. Moving into a new stadium, you're in L.A. now, all this sort of stuff. So I think those two teams you could definitely see jump up, you know, into the top, what? seven or eight, you know, after you get out of the top five picks, the teams after that don't really need a quarterback. I mean, you have the Colts who seem to be fine with Andrew Luck. You have Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is in Chicago. Jimmy Garoppolo just signed long-term with San Francisco. And then David Carr at 10 with the Raiders. So all those teams could easily trade back. And one of those other teams could jump up and take a shot on Allen if they fear that he's going to fall to someone who's going to snatch them ahead of, ahead of those two teams. And the Colts have already shown that they're willing to trade back, doing so with the Jets from three to six. It really is going to depend on how much they like Bradley Chubb and if Chubb falls to that spot because they could desperately use an outside pass rusher like him. But their GM, his name is escaping me at the moment, he, I watched him speak after the Jets trade and he sounded very sharp. He under, he seems like he understood Chris Ballard. it. Yeah, Chris Ballard. And here's the here's what's interesting about the draft is that the most hum, the the people that show the most humility to the draft seem to have the most success because there this is no perfect science. So the only way to really game the system and get the maximum out of this out of the draft is to get as many darts as possible. The more darts you throw, the more success you can have. I mean, the Pats have shown this over and over again. How many times have they traded back from that 30, 31, 32 spot and gotten a second rounder? And then they've taken that second rounder and they've turned it into 17 third rounders. So they just they just throw as many darts as possible because they they enter the draft humble. They say, you know what? We're not going to pinpoint scout the one guy out of all these dudes that is going to become a great professional football player. We're going to have an inkling. We're going to have an idea. And then we're just going to spray and pray because that's the only way you can approach the draft. So I, I appreciate that Ballard's doing that. Uh, it, it makes the Colts seem scary as future prospects. If if Luck's arm, you know, if, if his German plasma whatever was done and is successful, the Colts could be scary just because they have a brain in the front office. That's a bit worrisome to me, but they seem like a great candidate at six. And then every mock that I've seen, not every, but a lot of the mocks that I've seen from people that are connected, people that make their mocks based upon source knowledge, so many people have the Broncos trading out of that five spot, which makes sense, of course, because they brought in Case Keenum in the offseason, and there's really no reason to draft one of these younger quarterbacks if you think Case Keenum can come and just be a solid starter, which he was last year, on an already veteran-type team. So five and six seem like the spots to trade up and take a quarterback. Let's do uh, what quarterback do you want to talk about next? you want to talk about Darnold? Let's talk about Yeah, Darnold. let's talk about this idiot. <laughs> Why do you think Darnold's an idiot? Well, I mean, I don't know how you can... so so. I mean, you've watched at least a little bit of college football. I have as well. They don't play defense in college football. Is that that's fair to say? I mean, there's little defense, if any. It's definitely right? not at the elite level of the NFL now. 
Okay, so this guy, in 27 starts for USC, he threw 22 interceptions and fumbled the ball 21 times. How the fuck is that even possible? <laughs> I'll, I'll I don't even know how, how, how... I don't know how that's possible. I, I don't. In college football, where they don't play defense. And when you're supposed to be so good and not everyone on the field is like the best at what they do at their position like they are in the NFL, I mean, it just seems like you should not be turning the ball over 43 damn times. And then I don't see how that translates into you're going to go into the NFL and all of a sudden you're just not going to turn the ball over when everyone's way better and they're coming at you a million miles an hour. I don't see how this works out in any way, shape, or form. I think Darnold's going to fall on his face. So when Darnold is drafted number one, he will be the second youngest number one pick and he will be the youngest quarterback ever drafted. So he is certainly a project. Um, He was... he's. Born June 5th, 1997. You do the math, right? The kid is 20 years old. He is a child. And from what I understand, because I don't watch very much on Profesh, is that not only were the SC skill players not great on the outside, their highest projected draft pick from the wide receiver corpse is like a fifth-round slot receiver. Uh, Their offensive line was no bueno. And I've seen this also uh, when people are scouting Ronald Jones, the running back out of SC, uh, coming off an injury, had to run his 40 at his pro day. But a lot of the things that are people are couching with Ronald Jones is that you have to take some of what you see on film with a grain of salt because the SC line is not the Matt Leinert SC line. You know, these big hogs up front that are moving mountains. So I can appreciate that type of nuance and also from just like a pure numbers data standpoint there is value in bringing in a quarterback at age 20 right because even when you get them off their rookie contract and you start to have to pay them a lot like they're only going to be he's only going to be 25 years old when he signs his second contract so he's still you know entering the prime of his life as a quarterback so you you have that massive advantage and if you're the Browns, who are projected to take Mr. Darnold at number one, you can treat him like a true bridge quarterback because they traded for Ty God. You can have Ty God start. You can have Darnold sit and develop. The biggest issue is I don't know if I trust Hugh Jackson to develop a quarterback. Yeah, the whole Hugh Jackson thing is just still very baffling to me. And there was that report a couple of days ago that their GM wouldn't tell Hugh Jackson who they're going to be drafting at number one, which... Seems like they're already not on the same page. I mean, Hugh Jackson, to me, is always just... He feels like he's just a placeholder. Like, he's just there. They don't feel like firing someone. They just... They're going to keep him there while they build up the team around him. And then they're going to let him go and bring someone else in. I mean, that's kind of what it seems like to me. That could be totally wild, but whatever. I mean, Hugh Jackson, just to me, doesn't seem like he fits anything. So, where would you... Where, where would you place Darnold in this group of five? Well, if I were the Browns, I would trade out a number one. See, you know what I would do if and because you still have number four that you can get a really good quarterback if that's what you want to do. And I already talked about how I like Josh Allen, so and he's more of a project. And then you have Tyrod Taylor, like you mentioned. So Tyrod's only twenty eight. You can you can have him play for one or two seasons more very easily, and you can you know beef up Allen, go for that big home run pick. And then you can hopefully stockpile, what, two or three more picks, maybe get a player worked in there if you trade out a number one to one of these QBs who want to jump up and get Darnold and they didn't think that they could originally. So I love that strategy because I think whoever they get it for is going to be just fine, right? 
it's going to be Rosen or Mayfield, right, at four. Um, and it could even be Allen if the Giants aren't interested in taking a quarterback and aren't interested in trading back. We talked about how the Colts have already kind of shown that they're willing to trade back. David Gettleman, throughout his tenure with the Carolina Panthers, was uh, Josh Norris was talking about this yesterday on the Roto World podcast, that Gettleman accrued uh, the least amount of draft picks when he was the GM. Like, it's just not his thing. Also, we're just a year removed away from him taking Chris McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, in the single digits. So the odds that he takes Saquon at number two, I think, are very high, given that he doesn't really care about positional value. He doesn't really, he's not one of the forward-thinking people that's going to undervalue the running back position. So yeah, I would love the Browns to either trade back and just take their quarterback at four, or, I mean, fuck it, like, take Bradley Chubb one. Or even if you can make the argument, take Saquon Barkley one, and then just take the best quarterback available at four. But I get the pressure from the outside. Like, you have the number one pick. You have the chance to pick the best quarterback. Although, again, if we're going back to our humility statement, nobody fucking knows who the best quarterback is. So kind of just take the best one available at four. I totally agree, DP. Yeah, I mean, it, it like you said, take the best one available. I mean, that alleviates the pressure on your end. Whereas you're picking from, what, one of three, one of four guys at number one, and you, it, the decision is on you. Whereas if you drop out of that spot and you just let someone fall to you, I mean, it's kind of out of your hands. You say, well, well, we just got to take the best QB available, and whoever that is at that point, um, that's who lands with you. And then it's the decision is less your own, um, but that can alleviate some pressure on the back end where the Browns have gotten a lot of scrutiny, you know, drafting QBs recently because they, they've missed on taking some guys really high. They've opted to go deeper with their drafting of QBs, and then they've totally whiffed on, on the guys that they've drafted. So, you know, but I, I really like number four. I mean, you could even do something where, who knows, maybe you can get one of the guys, the 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 Jets or the, the Giants, to just jump up one spot to make sure that they get their guy. Maybe they really want Darnold, and you can get an extra draft pick in, in a later round, something like that. Like you said, get more darts to be able to throw at the dartboard. And there's got to be a team that would, you know, there's got to be a team that would just give them the farm for number one, right? Like, what, do you think the Bills would give 12, 22, and then their first next year? That's a I lot. Mean, That's a ton. Yeah, the the Bills are the most QB needy team in exactly. this draft, right? And I heard I heard another tidbit from the Roto World Pod yesterday from Evan Silva. The Bills owner, the owner of the team, flew around last year to meet with all the top QB prospects, but there was such a flurry at the top that the Bills didn't get a chance to take them. And he's done the same this season. The owner of the Bills interviewing these QB prospects because he wants to kind of see who could be the representative for the franchise. So if the owner is flying around the country to these pro days in these shitty college towns, there's definitely some pressure to take a goddamn quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I I, I could see the Chargers jumping up there too. I mean, they're the furthest away in terms of the teams we've talked about so far at 17, but they, they seem kind of stupid overall as a team. Um they need someone to to come in and replace Philip Rivers, who's on you know on the back nine of his career, and and they got this whole thing where they just moved up to L.A. They got to compete in a in a you know a pretty lively market in terms of how big it is with the L.A. Rams, who are doing very well, much better than the Chargers are, and they're going to move into a new stadium 
pretty soon. So they need some sort of buzz to go along with whatever the heck they're bringing into that in there with that team. So I could see the the Chargers maybe jumping up to number one if they're if all of a sudden they're like, oh hey, you know, number one's available. You guys can go get Darnold. He's a USC guy. He's local to this area. You guys can jump up and get that person. I think that could be very appealing to them. You know the Chargers signed Gino, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. They're not very QB needy. Yeah, exactly. They have the next guy for a decade. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> All right, let's keep it in California. Let's chat about Josh Rosen. Rosen is who I think, given the preamble I gave earlier, I think he is my favorite player out of this draft class because he is kind of boring. He's not as athletic as... Josh Allen. He doesn't have the type of arm that Josh Allen has. He's not as young as Sam Darnold. Uh, He doesn't have the same swag as Baker Mayfield. But the dude looks like a quarterback robot. Uh, From an intelligence standpoint, from an awareness standpoint, he's off the charts in those regards. And I think you can play 15 years in the league if you can just continue to make the right decisions. Making the right read is pretty much essential as long as you're just average at delivering the ball from an NFL standpoint. If your accuracy and consistency is pretty average, you can have success in the league, right? Look at, uh, I mean, look at Case Keenum last year. Like, Case wasn't out here, like, throwing the ball. Case probably not the best. Jared Goff. Jared Goff is a perfect example. His his leap from year one to year two. Was that because Jared Goff started ripping the ball and just throwing seeds downfield? No, it's because he was put in a good offense and was making good decisions. His, his skill set did not go from one of the worst players ever drafted to one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He just started making better decisions thankfully put in a better offense so given Josh Rosen's skill set we said it earlier on this pod uh, Brett Moe and myself I still think Rosen is my favorite DP what say you well before I get into what I'm saying so does that mean you want Rosen to the Jets number three yeah I think if I were given the choice if someone just said you know Mike McCagan just got fired we're trying you're the GM of the Jets I think I would take Rosen over Mayfield Okay. Okay. I mean, I think Rosen, I mean, along the lines of everything you said, he's the most NFL ready quarterback in this draft. I mean, he's ready to basically plug in and go. That said, I talked a lot of bit about how I'm a fan of somebody who has that really big boomer bust, you know, ability. And I don't think that Rosen has that. I don't think he has the, the huge upside that I could see with someone like a Josh Allen. But if I'm someone like the Jets, I can't, necessarily fault them for taking the most NFL ready quarterback at number three. I mean, that that's what they need. They need to plug someone in and get going and, you know, really start with this, this rebuild. Oh, excuse me. So, I mean, I like the Jets at number three, taking Rosen. I, I don't think he's super flashy. He's super good, but he'll be a solid NFL starter, you know, probably top 10, you know, throughout his career. If he, you know, ends up panning out, which I think is, much more than fine. Right. He can be Matt Stafford. And as much as you, some people want to shit on Matt Stafford, number one overall pick, that dude has been good for a long time. Right? Like, he's been 
a good quarterback. You can't really ask for much more than that. Like, would you rather have Jamarcus Russell or Matthew Stafford with the number one overall pick? I mean, well, yeah, Matthew Stafford is just fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. We brought both brought him up briefly. He is the swaggiest guy in the draft. He famously tried to offer a gentleman's handshake in the Kansas game, was rejected, and proceeded to shit on Kansas, grab his nuts on the sideline, and yell, fuck you, to the other side. He's a crazy person, but he's also insanely athletic. He's the oldest quarterback uh, in this draft class. Is Baker Mayfield. DP, what do you think about, if you like swinging upside, downside, Baker Mayfield has to be a guy for you. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I like Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's gotten a little bit of comparison to Johnny Manziel, not so much for the off-the-field stuff, because I don't think that Baker Mayfield brings that to the table, but just the way, I mean, as you outlined, he's, his swagginess, his athleticism on the field. I mean, he's kind of like a wild and crazy quarterback. He's a little bit of a gunslinger out there, but he's he's got a lot of bravado. He's, he's super confident, which, I mean, if you're going to be a quarterback, you kind of got to be like this guy, right? I mean... It's great. He's the the alpha male. I mean, that's what we want him to be. Uh, the question is, is how well is his style going to translate to the NFL? We've seen players be able to do that. Um, we've seen players that haven't been able to do that. I think if he can, if he can sort of dumb it down, his wild and craziness, and sort of be like a Russell Wilson, I think he's going to be great. Um, that said, I don't mind him going to the the Giants at number two. The Jets at number three. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that the the Broncos at number five are going to take someone. I don't think the Browns are going to going to worry about him too much either. But I could see somebody trading up who wants to jump in and get get a quarterback. And Baker Mayfield's that guy. I mean, I love a good gamble. We talked about it earlier, and Mayfield fits that. So let's gamble. Yeah, this is the guy that it seems like the Jets will take at three. And although. Like I said, I prefer Rosen. I don't hate it because a lot of smart people, like the entire PFF community, it seems like, has gotten behind Baker Mayfield. They think he should be the number one overall pick. And, I mean, if those guys are doing the work, putting in the time, they're basically creating the analytics that uh, most of the football community is following, then, yeah, I I, I can't hate it. Uh, Russell Wilson seems to be a great comp for his skill set. The, the difference between him and Manziel is that where Manziel was an athlete that passed, I think Baker Mayfield is a passer that can do athletic things on the field. Uh, great accuracy, great arm, and then he's got the legs to go with it. Uh, and he just seems like to, a great fit in the modern NFL where there is a ton of spread. There's a ton of college concepts that continue to leak into the NFL that'll allow Baker Mayfield to continue to play the way that he does and succeed in the ways that he has, which is pretty great um, that he's not getting thrown into like the 1990s NFL where you have to play this seven step drop, you know, do this sort of thing, specific offense. No, there's more creative minds in the league that are more willing to do some crazy things, which I think is going to benefit Baker in the long run. So yeah, I, I, I like Baker. Honestly, I don't think you can go wrong with Rosen and Baker Mayfield. If you need a project, I'm cool with Darnold and I would not touch, uh, Mr. Allen with a 70 mile pole. That's basically my assessment of those 
big four. And then there's number five, the guy that is not getting the same type of hype, the guy that Bill Polian said should move to wide receiver, the guy that I think is going to be the steal of the draft when he's picked in like the lower double digits or even the teens, and that is Lamar Jackson. Please, you mean God, when New England moves up to take him? Please, God, don't let this guy go to New England. That would be the end. I would. I may quit football if that happens. I mean, everything, everything that I'm hearing out of the New England camps is they. This is their guy that they want to get. I mean, however they do it, it's going to be hard. I, I, I don't think he's going to fall past 17 if the draft order stays as is. So New England would need to move up. I mean, they are at 23. Uh, they also have 31. Uh, I mean, they have four picks in the first two rounds, so they could package a couple of those and move up. And I mean, just given everything that's been happening this offseason up at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough with Brady not showing up and the Gronkowski shit and all this sort of crap, it just feels like it's kind of all falling apart. Uh, and w- when they gave away the next guy last year and Jimmy Garoppolo, and now they need to find the next guy, I mean, it, it feels like this would be a total uber bill belichick move to just package a couple of these picks move up a little bit draft the next guy to to go behind brady and just give brady another fu i don't know if he gets past the cardinals either at 15 yeah i mean if he does get past the cardinals i gotta think that the the Chargers are going to take him at 17 i mean if if the draft order stays the way it is i've heard a lot of people talk about the dolphins really like lamar jackson um i mean the bills are there at 12 we talked about that they're qb needy so there's a bunch of teams once you get past 10 and that, uh, you know, could take him. And, and I've heard for a couple long shots say that he could be a super surprise and go in the top five. But I don't see that happening. You know, they're long shots. But, hey, this is a boomer bust guy right here. It seems like if you go back to the start of the process, it definitely feels like Lamar is more loved by the NFL than by the noise and that Josh Allen is less loved by the NFL than he is by the noise. I think that's going to come like, I think we're going to look at this and to your point where Lamar is picked and where Josh Allen is picked is going to be way closer than we first anticipated. And I I would not be surprised if like you said that Lamar could go ahead of Josh Allen. I, I would, that wouldn't shock me. I, I, think- I mean, Lamar to me is somebody who you're going to see the Bills, the Cardinals, the Chargers trade up to get up into that, you know, six through 10 spot and take Lamar Jackson. I think that that's something that's going to happen. It's going to be a surprise to a lot of people. But like you said, the the NFL people seem to really like Lamar Jackson, and but no one's really talking about it and creating that hype around him. But behind closed doors, if you read into a lot of things, it's like, oh, yeah, Lamar Jackson. We all kind of like I mean. When it's coming out that the Patriots really like Lamar Jackson, I mean, that kind of is all you need to say, right? If you you look at his numbers from his Heisman season and then look at last year, there's really not a big change. Like the guy, I, I guess just the, the novelty wore off, and that's why we saw— Well, the QB wins wore off. Yeah, that as well. The, that's you know, why they were, they were winning a ton when he was running for the Heisman, and then they weren't winning as much, and everyone thought, okay, well, this guy's not a winner. And from what I've seen from, again, some smarter people than I, his adjusted one of his biggest things is his completion rate. And some of the things that I've seen with adjusted completion rate, which brings in drops, is that it's not as bad as it seems. He's got 
I mean, we talk, I talked about Sam Darnold having a, a bad supporting cast. That's a bad supporting cast in the Pac-12 at SC. Imagine a bad supporting cast at fucking Louisville. Like, <laughs> we're not having a bunch of five stars out there running routes and catching passes for Lamar Jackson. Uh, so all those arguments can be applied to him and probably then some. So, uh, yeah, I, Lamar could be unbelievable, right? Like what we saw from Deshaun last year, even better than that. That's what Lamar could do. Because Deshaun, while he hashtag QB1 a lot at Clemson, that dude never did the types of things that Lamar did at Louisville. Like that guy is out of this world good. And would I take him over Rosen Mayfield? Probably not. Would I take him over Darnold? I actually think I, I as crazy as it sounds, I might take him over Darnold. I get the project part of Darnold. I understand. But I don't know. Darnold has so much Big Ben in him. And I'm not talking about the good Big Ben. I'm talking like the current era Big Ben. That kind of worries me. Uh, and then I would 1,000% take Lamar Jackson over Josh Allen. I mean, this is another reason why you could see, I mean, at least I could see that the Browns trading out of number one you know, taking like a Bradley Chubb at number four or Saquon Barkley at number four, whoever decides to fall to them there and then getting into Lamar Jackson kind of later on where he's more projected to go. What about your boy, Mason Rudolph? Is this going to happen? Or is the other guy? Who's the other weirdo? There's some other weird quarterbacks that are... Well, there's a, there's a, so Mason Rudolph is from from all the, the lists that I looked up and, you know, checked on, he's the next guy to go. So he's number, what is that, six? One, two, three, four. Yeah, six on the draft board. Um, but it, it seems like, you know, it's kind of these top four guys. Then it's like Lamar Jackson's kind of in the middle, you know, tier two kind of by himself. And then there's Mason Rudolph, who is much further down. I mean, he's projected to go much later in a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing. I mean, I I tried to look into to Rudolph a little bit more. He just doesn't do it for me. It seems a lot of like a college hype around this guy. You know, he, he needs he needs a little bit more work. And his ceiling isn't that high. So that to me is like, if I'm going to be putting a lot of work into someone, I want their ceiling to be really high. So a Josh Allen to me is someone, okay, hey, at least I'm going to dedicate the time and effort to, to build this guy and try with him. I want it to be like a really big moonshot as opposed to, okay, this guy can be like, you know, a fringe top 10 starter in the league, you know, t- uh, you know, upper half of the league when he gets in there. I mean, he has, he seems to have the size from a lot of the reports. Um, but a lot of, a lot of those same reports while they do say, okay, his size is great. You know, they question his arm strength, his accuracy, his decision-making, his mechanics. And if you're questioning all those things, as soon as you're giving someone praise for their size, um, I mean, it just puts a lot of doubt in my mind. So I would stay away. Josh Allen is Ryan Mallett. That's the comparison. I mean, okay, fine. First round arm town, according to Mike Mayock. That's right, but can never put it together. Uh, then there's Kyle Laletta and I was Luke Falk. Just about to bring up Laletta. Something Laletta, the old Richmond Spiders quarterback. I mean, who else but the Patriots to be linked to an FCS fucking quarterback? Yeah, I mean, is this the guy who was like his dad went to Navy and like all this ties to Belichick and he used to play lacrosse? I'm pretty sure it's this guy. Yeah. Whatever. He's, he's the whitest human on earth. Thus, he's being linked to the New England Patriots. I mean, my, my thing is, my thing is, like, no one heard of like Kyle Lillette unless you were like deep into college football, right? And then all of a sudden, he shows out at the Senior Bowl, and now he's got all this hype. And I'm like, if you needed the Senior Bowl to show out, and that was like your hype train moment, 
then what the fuck were you doing all season, man? I, I can't get behind someone who just all of a sudden one game, it's like he balled out and now he's supposed to be like a really good quarterback. Well, he's playing he, FCS. He could be, but I just can't, I can't get behind that. He's playing FCS. Nobody's watching his games. That's the thing. Yeah, but you even get a little bit of buzz. Like no one really talked about this guy till like really recently, you know? To his credit, Loletta 10th in spark rating. So he's a bit of an athlete too. And just a quick aside, you know who else needs a quarterback is the Steelers. Yeah. I mean, like, they're way down at 28, but if they want to move up, I mean, they should because Big Ben, you brought him up earlier. That's what made me think about it. I mean, he's he's definitely on the back nine of his career, if not already in the fucking clubhouse having a beer. Yeah, I mean, he talks about retirement every other fucking week. So, yeah. yeah, so they got to they gotta start worrying about getting the next guy in that offense, and you still have Le'Veon Bell uh, Antonio Brown, who are really fucking good. So, you know, if Big Ben can't get it done, get someone in there in these next one or two years and, and continue to make this run. All right, let's talk about Saquon Barkley real quick, and then we'll get into our favorite bets for Thursday. He is a freak of nature. If you didn't watch him at Penn State romping around Happy Valley, you've probably seen some of the pre-draft hype around him from a spark perspective he i mean he scored in the 98.4 percentile of nfl athletes uh a spark score of 148 what spark is it takes uh three cone 40 time uh high jump uh or vert jump like all the explosive athletic um tests that they do at the combine and then creates a composite score and Saquon tested absolutely off the charts. One of the most explosive athletes that has ever tested at the Combine. Uh, and this is taking in, I think it's 20 or 30 years of Combine data whenever the, when, since whenever the data has become available. And Saquon has tested off the charts. Uh, obviously, he was incredible at Penn State. Um, and he might be, in terms of just pure football, he might be far and away the best player in this draft however he plays the running back position and positional value is a thing dp what do you think about barkley where would you take him in the draft so i mean i get that barkley is one of the best all-around football talents we've seen in quite some time i mean the guy seems to be just a total standout freak of nature on the field he can be a game breaker but i mean I hate taking running backs high in the draft. I just, I just hate it. I mean, the, the emphasis on the running back position is less and less every season, uh, you know, in, in today's NFL. And I just, I don't, I worry about it. Right. I mean, the need for a lot of these teams at the top of the draft is quarterback, right? They need quarterback. And if you don't need a quarterback, there are a lot of other positions that have a lot of high value targets that you need to draft around. I think that the giants, could get really silly and take Barkley. I mean, just going back to what we talked about where they're in a big market, they need a splash. Barkley could be that guy. I mean, if you end up slotting Eli Manning back in for another year or two, um, I mean, not that Eli's the the Eli of old are going to be that good. I mean, Saquon could theoretically take a lot of pressure off Eli and they could do their thing there. I just, I don't know how many wins, a, you know, a, a running back gets you. I mean, I just don't. I mean, they're, so it's difficult for me to say, but I can see him going number two to 
to the Giants. I could see him going number four to the Browns, depending on what the Browns do with number one. Um, I mean, if he happens to fall past that, a lot of the mocks that I've seen have him going in the in that top four there. I don't think the Jets are going to take him. It's either going to be the Browns at one or four or the Giants at two. I could see him going to the Broncos at five. If he gets past there, I mean, listen, you talked about Chris Ballard being smart. I also know that the Colts are stupid as an organization. They could take a guy at number six, like Saquon Barkley. Um, I mean, that could just be a thing. I could see it happening to the Bucks at seven. So, you know, I think everything says that he's going to go super high, but I want to feel like the the NFL minds, the people that are making these picks that shouldn't be the experts are going to realize, hey, guys, it's a running back. We've seen this before. It doesn't pan out this way if we reach for a running back. So let's let him fall a little bit and he's going to go in that, you know, four to seven range. I think that's where he's going to end up going. And I think that that's a, a fair assessment. So I'm going to segment into our bets here with my Barkley take. I like Barkley. This is from the Westgate. Saquon Barkley versus Josh Rosen, who gets drafted first. Barkley's plus 250. I think Barkley goes second to the Giants. I think Dave Gettleman is a caveman. Uh, I don't think he's very sophisticated. From his quotes, he keeps talking about learning how to play giant football and football mentality and all this crap, the things that you hear older football guys talk about. And, so he's going to try and draft the next Tiki Barb. And uh, yeah, or Tim Biakabatuka. I, I think he is going to take a running back number two. I think he's going to take Saquon Barkley. And I, I said this on our, our last pod briefly. If you can be super creative with Saquon Barkley, it it pains me, but I don't hate taking him high. Like if he plays in the slot as much, or maybe even let's get real tricky more often than he plays a traditional halfback position, then I can live with Barkley being taken high. But if you are going to line him up in the backfield 70% of the time, then I think you're just killing yourself. This guy is, See, see that's why to me, that kind of rules out the Browns because I think Duke Johnson is really fucking good in that role. Totally. So I, I would be like, if I'm the, if I'm the Browns and I'm like, okay, we can draft Barkley, but then we got to use him in the slot more. I'm like, well, what the hell do we do with Duke? Who's really, really, really good at just lining up in the slot and basically being a wide receiver. Well, and they just traded for juice too. What do you do with juice? All of a sudden you got three slot receivers and you got Carlos Hyde. Like there's a lot going on with the Browns. It does not make sense for them to take Barkley. And they've kind of thrown up this smoke screen the last couple of days about, ooh, uh, you know, it could be Baker Mayfield. It could be Josh Allen. Like, I think they could really be trying to trade either out of that first spot or back out of four. I don't think they're interested in making a pick at both spots. I really don't. Uh, which makes me think that Barkley's not going there. And that makes sense because Barkley's not really a good fit with the roster construction that they've done thus far in the offseason. But I do think Barkley goes number two to the Giants. I think Gettleman, again, caveman, not smart, backwards-thinking football guy, takes a running back. That's if he think. doesn't go number two to the Giants, I'm looking at the Raiders jumping up a few spots and taking him. Yeah, that's a very good move, right? I mean, they all, yeah, they need, Gruden is old school talking about getting back to the to the Raider way and all that sort of stuff. They have to move into Vegas with a splash. They already have their franchise QB and Derek Carr. 
Marshawn Lynch is on the outs. I mean, Doug Martin, yeah, they signed him. He's doesn't look like he's anything of the Doug Martin of old. So if you can get Saquon Barkley in there for your move to Las Vegas in, in a year or two, I mean, that seems like a super splashy play that I could see them doing. I'll tell you what, this Saquon Barkley, I could totally see it. Could totally see it. But I also love Barkley over Rosen in terms of the Westgate uh, head-to-head bets. Yeah, plus. I mean, plus with the if you're getting if you're getting any plus money, I mean, granted it's at like plus two fifty, uh, um, you know, last I saw. So, I just man, I love those odds. Yeah, it seems huge, right? Like, it how is Josh Rosen so minus three hundred? Especially when there's all these reports about Josh Rosen being too cocky, could slip a little bit in the draft. I don't know. I just, uh, I, I think Barkley's just a lock to get drafted over Rosen. Uh, because of that two spot. All right. Moving into some of these bets that we like going into Thursday. DP, give us a couple that you, that tickle your fancy. Yeah. So, I mean, I really like these head to head bets, the way that, that they've have, you know, been outlined at uh, the Westgate, as you talked about, you know, we just talked about, I like the Barkley over Rosen one, um, the Darnold over Allen. I mean, Darnold is obviously the big favorite there, minus 220. I think that that's just easy money, although you are giving up a lot uh, in terms of the edge. Another one that I'm looking at is Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson. I think Bradley Chubb's going to go really high. Uh, I mean, I see him going in the top four. I don't, if the draft stays the way it is, I don't see Chubb falling beyond the Browns at number four. I just don't. And you can pair him up with Miles Garrett. That, to me, seems like an absolute winning combination. And then another one where you get better odds is Lamar Jackson versus Mason Rudolph. I would absolutely load the dump truck up on Lamar Jackson here. Uh, last I saw, both were minus 110. So I'm just going to push all in on Jackson because I think Mason Rudolph is going to be one of these guys that is touted to go really high, late first round, high second round, but could fall much, much further. And I would not be surprised to see him fall into the second, third round. Uh, that sort of thing. I'm going to go a little bit further down this list that you sent me. Total number of QBs in the first rounds. I mean, they set the perfect line, right? You've got the top five. They set it at five over under. Yeah, they didn't even set it at a half number. Yeah, Just- so I think we're free rolling if we take the over, right? So if somehow one of these back-end guys falls in love with Mason Rudolph, let's say at 32 31, they just want to sneak in and make a day one selection, kind of a little bit of a splash. I think we're free rolling, right? We're getting five. Yeah, free rolling on Mason Rudolph. We both think that Lamar Jackson is going to go higher than a lot of people anticipate. So you would consider him the fifth guy off the board for QBs in round one. So if we can get Baker Mayfield in there, somebody at the late round. I mean, he could even be someone where like he falls to number 28 and the Steelers are like, okay, let's take Mason Rudolph. Yeah. We can work on him a little bit. We still have Big Ben for whatever it is, another year or two. We can get Rudolph in in the fold and, and, you know, mold him to be our next guy. Yeah. So I think we're kind of free rolling there and it's minus 110, or at least it was when you pulled this over the weekend. So love the over on five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Uh, moving down a little bit, total number of receivers in the first round. I like the under on two and a half minus 110. The NFL is very much a what has happened lately type of league. And after we had an amazing draft class, I think it was 2014, an amazing wide receiver draft class, we've had a couple of absolute stinkers in a row. We're talking like Kevin White's, Brashad Perryman's, all these guys being taken. Even last year, 
uh, like Godwin. You know, he was okay for the Bucks, but he wasn't amazing. There hasn't been this great draft class, and I think it's going to translate uh, into this season just because, you know, the league is so reactive. We saw no running backs taken, and then we saw a couple running backs taken that did well in Zeke and Leonard Fournette. Then all of a sudden, you know, we're going to have multiple running backs taken in the first round this year. So I think we see Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore come off the board in the first round, but I think that's it. So I like the under on two and a half at minus 110. I like the under two. The only thing that I'm going to say is I think that the Dallas Cowboys are now a wild card and could sway it to be the over. The fact that they cut Des Bryant, they I don't think that they're necessarily the smartest franchise in the world. and They like to draft flashy players. We know that. They did pick Des Bryant once. Um, I mean, I could just see them looking for the next Des Bryant guy, right? And they could reach to someone or just take another wide receiver off the board that then makes it swing where I could see a few other teams also needing a wide receiver in the first round. I'm also going to take a little bit of a gamble here. It's not a massive gamble, but uh, I'm looking at a an offshore site, so I don't know. Uh, I don't want to give the name, but looking at the second running back selected, obviously Saquon Barkley is the favorite to be the first one. He's such a massive favorite, they don't want to put it up. Uh, Darius Geis is the favorite, minus 500 to be the second running back taken in the NFL draft, but I am going to gamble on the same exact theory that I just discussed of what happened last year that was amazing that we can try and replicate, and that's Alvin Kamara, right? Small guy, shifty guy, pass catching back. I'm going to gamble and say that Sonny Michelle at plus 180, the Georgia back, it's amazing. Granted, uh, Nick Chubb is coming off of a massive injury, even though he looked amazing. It's amazing that Michelle has the potential to go above Chubb in the draft, but it's where the NFL is right now, right? We don't need the banger at running back. We need the satellite guy who can catch the ball and make people miss. So I think we're going to have some team. This, I mean, Maybe this is the Cowboys, you know, pair Michelle with Zeke. Uh, I think some team's going to be like, you know what? Alvin Kamara was awesome last year. We need to take Sonny Michelle. So I like the plus 180 on the kid from Georgia. I like that too, man. I I like that a lot. I'm, a lot of the the mocks that I've seen have Darius guys going to the Steelers at 28, and I don't know. I just I don't like that as a play. I'd rather worry about a quarterback there, either move move down or move up to get a better quarterback, and not take a running back because I mean, listen, Le'Veon Bell is chirping about his contract, but that guy's really really freaking good. I would worry about him. All right, let's talk five minutes NBA because I know you're all in on this. Let's talk about your Celts real quick. Well, the Celts are not going anywhere. What? They're up 3-2. They won last night. Yeah, they're going to win the first round, but like they're it's like it's like a train you see that's going, but you know the end of the track is coming, you know, and in the end of the track is not the NBA finals. But how good is Brad Stevens? Like this is yeah, awesome. I mean Brad Stevens is, is very good. He is very very good. He's Greg Popovich delight. Do more with much less. Like Tatum and Brown I mean, they're going to be your number three and your number four. I mean, listen, I I love I love Tatum and Brown. I mean, there there are still the rumors circulating. I, I, obviously, they change a lot with how New Orleans is done. But the whole thing about the Anthony Davis thing, I mean, that's that gets a lot of a lot of heat out of Boston. A lot of people that have insider knowledge that have been right on a lot of things that have are tapped into the franchise. There, they. They still think that that's a possibility, and then it comes down to who are you giving up, Brown or Tatum, in that deal? I think you got to give up both of them. 
Well, it the Celtics are not going to give up both. Well, I mean, that's the, a deal breaker. I don't think but, you, I don't think you have a deal then. The Pels have him have him locked in. Why would they trade him? Yeah, yeah, because he I wants to get traded. But that's why I said that you know that could change now because he's obviously having a lot of success with that team right now, and they're doing uh, very well in the, in the playoffs. So it, this is a is a year where it seems like it's it's going to now come back where Anthony Davis, where he might have been like, listen, what the hell am I doing here? I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to be. I don't want to have the same career trajectory as a Kevin Garnett where he stayed with one team for so long before he finally was like, listen, I'm out. I'm going to go win a title, that sort of thing. But it looks like the Pelicans have it together. At least this year they do. And that could hold Anthony Davis over for at least another season. They get the process next, right? Right. If they uh, get past the Bucks, That I do not know. I believe they get the process. The, the, listen, the process in the 76ers. How cool I is love that? it. How cool, I love how cool it. is this team? I mean, God, put them in the NBA Finals. I think it'd be so great. Why not? Why Why aren't they the best team in the East by like a country mile? I mean, the thing is, it's like, I mean, listen, I'm not high in the Raptors. I think they're just a total dumpster fire when it actually comes to nut cutting time. But I, you still don't know what this team is. I feel like with the Raptors, like if, if they could just ride high on cloud nine for the rest of the playoffs, they can get there. But I feel like the Raptors are just going to crash and burn <laughs> in the next round. So that's my take on that. I mean, the Wiz have no business being in this series, right? I mean, no, uh, it, but the Wizard d- do have, I mean, the reason that they're so low in the seating is because they didn't have John Wall for like half the season. Yeah, but they were, right. the weird thing is, is, and I'm not one of those guys that thinks they're better without Wall, is that they were winning when Wall was hurt. It's weird. Yeah, but I mean, the NBA is all about who has the best players on the floor. Like, in your starting five, that's why LeBron James has been such a freak of nature for so long. I mean, he's just the best player in the league, and he's always getting to the finals because that's basically what it takes in the NBA. The, you have the best player on the court. There are the best one or two players. I mean, that's why the Celtics, even without Gordon Hayward, you still have just Kyrie. And now without Kyrie, it's like, whatever, it's a lost cause. But with Kyrie, it's like, okay, you know, they're, he's just going to carry them, right? Now he's not, so they're out of it. So I just, I don't know about DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. I just, I feel like they have a good team there. But if it comes down to it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, the Wizard, though, yeah, they're Bradley Beal. John Paul or John Wall, sorry. I mean, I don't think that they have a good coach. I don't think that they have a lot of good chemistry. I think they play really stupid basketball, especially when it comes down to the end of the game. You know, the last what two to five minutes in that window, they do a lot of really dumb things um, that you think coaches would just really hammer home with their teams. But they're still in the series, man. I mean, they're just they're balling. That's what they do. I mean, last year they gave the Celtics a run to, uh, to game seven and it took Kelly Olenek, like, you know, having the game of his life to, to win that series. So, I mean, yeah, they pose a lot of problems for people. I, I don't see them going deep, but it's more telling on the Raptors than it is on the Wizards. Yeah. Philly will play the winner of Boston, Milwaukee, likely to be the C's Toronto, Washington's two, two right now, Cleveland, Indiana. That's so great, man. That series is so much fun. I love this Indiana team. Your boy Depot. I mean, Victor Oladipo is just, he's so much fun. He wasn't used right when he was in OKC. I mean, but it's hard also to not be used right when you have someone like Russ who you're playing alongside of, and Russ just needs the ball 99% of the time. And, you know, if he doesn't have the ball that 1%, he's going to just run over and take it from you because he's fucking crazy. Um, But 
That said, I mean, Victor Oladipo seems to found his spot. It's it's very much his spot in Indiana. I mean, it's in the same state. It's very much his spot where he was with the Hoosiers. I mean, it's like they're a good team, but they don't get all the buzz as a really big market city does. You know, so he's just kind of doing his thing in his spot. Now the lights are on in the playoffs. He's playing against LeBron and the Cavs, and he's showing out. I mean, Lance Stevenson is the fucking, you know, the ninth wonder of the world. I fucking love that guy. He's just like, he's such a disaster, but he's so confident and cocky, and he legit thinks he's better than LeBron. It's so amazing. 100%. I mean, if you, it's just so amazing. It's wild. Like you can be like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to D up on LeBron. I'm going to play really good. I'm going to play the best I can. Like a couple of years ago in the finals, that was probably uh, Andre Iguodala's, uh, you know, mentality. Like I'm just going to ball out. But Andre Iguodala didn't walk around with his fucking nuts on the court. Like he thought he was <laughs> bigger than LeBron. Lance Stevenson puts his nuts on LeBron's face and is like, yeah, what are you going to do? And like it just it's like LeBron can just keep jacking up shots in his face. He can beat him, he can out rebound him, he can just muscle him off the ball, he can do whatever he wants, and Lance Stevenson will still get up and be like, What up, man? Let's go. Let's go. You ain't got nothing. It's just it's so funny. The Cavs are still, according to Pinnacle, minus three fifty to win the series. That seems high. Like I think Pacers plus two eighty four is is pretty tasty for them to win the series. It's two two, right? Two two. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It, it comes down to LeBron, doesn't it? I mean, if he decides to just well, he can't turn sc- it on. He can't score a hundred though, you know. Like he needs these guys to hit open fucking jump shots. I know. I mean, that's kind of the difference with some of the o- other LeBron teams uh, that haven't had a lot of talent around him. Is that at least those guys have been? They've just been able to knock down some open shots. I mean, here it's like these guys are just for whatever it is. They're 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 missing shots. They're just not good. I mean. Who knows? They could just be going through a rut and they need basically LeBron to pull them out of this first round before they find their legs and their shooting arms. But, I mean, who knows? They they seem like like a mess. I mean, before, you know, you'd have like, what, he'd give it to J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith would score 35 in a game, hit fucking 10 threes and just be a complete maniac, right? You're just not seeing that now. Same with Kyle Korver. I mean, he's not, he shoots all right still, but he's, you know, used to be able to get three to four threes out of Kyle Korver a game. Let's go to the West we talked about them briefly with your fantasy trade. The Pels will take on the Warriors in the next round. Steph Curry is going to be reevaluated this Friday. Can the Pels beat the Dubs? Is that a thing that can happen? Uh, I mean, it depends on two players. And the one that I think is more important isn't the one that a lot of people are thinking of. And that's not Anthony Davis. It's Drew Holiday. Uh, I mean, he played out of his mind in the first round. Uh, love Drew. I mean, he's low-key elite. We've talked about it a lot in our Skype chats uh, between you, Mo, and myself. Um, I mean, if Anthony Davis can maintain his elite status, which he obviously needs to do, uh, I mean, the, the the Warriors will have no one, in my opinion, that can check Anthony Davis. I mean, they're just not built that way, right? So, but Drew Holiday is going to be the guy that needs to be that big, secondary option and just really support Anthony Davis, whether that's driving to the hoop, locking down on defense and knocking down big shots as three pointers. I mean, I think they have what it takes at least to make it a really fun competitive series. Um, but it's, it's also going to come down to basically how well the Warriors shoot. Cause they can fucking shoot you out of the gym. They can shoot you out of the league. If you, you know, <laughs> if they decide to just rain threes all day and they go in, you're never going to beat them. But 
They can have off nights. They can miss. You can D up really hard, and you can play them tight and get in their grill. I think you need to play some really tough, hard-nosed defense on Steph Curry. We've always seen that in the past with uh, specifically Chris Paul. I mean, he gets borderline a lot of times over the line with how he plays defense, uh, you know, some cheap shots and stuff like that. That's always kind of been the knock on Chris Paul, but that's what you have to do against someone like Steph Curry. And then, I mean, we all... Uh, I think you agree that Kevin Durant's a bit soft and can certainly be thrown off his game. So I would just go ham on that guy and just, you know, basically hack him to death, get him totally just, just acting crazy. I mean, he seems to to get flustered a lot, uh, KD and, and get technicals. And you can also do the same thing with Draymond green, who is a, a hothead at times. So I think you're going to have to try and get them, you know, out of their element, out of sorts, and, and get them in, in trouble in a lot of ways. And then hopefully that translates into them missing a lot of shots. It's kind of annoying that there are no betting odds right now. And I get why, right, with the, the Curry injury. But I feel like in this time of ambiguity, there would be a great opportunity to take the Pels to win the series in the event that Curry doesn't play. Because I feel like if Curry's ruled out, then I, I don't think we're going to get the odds that we like for the Pels to advance. And if Curry is healthy, I don't think I want to <laughs> gamble on the Pels to advance. The lineup that can absolutely kill the Warriors is that Anthony Davis, Nikola Miritich lineup, right? Those two guys, like you said, the Dubs don't have anybody that can guard AD. Uh, I mean, Draymond could be a nuisance, and you can throw JaVale out there for size, but when you put AD and Miritich out there, a 7-footer and like a 6'10", a 6'11 guy, both guys that can stretch the floor as well, like, how do the Dubs defend that? How do they stop that, DP? No, I mean, it, it's going to be very hard. The Dubs, I mean, that's kind of been their their Achilles heel is that they don't have that big inside presence. I mean, that's kind of one reason why they brought JaVale McGee in, that if they need to go big, JaVale can at least play some defense on bigger guys in the league. Um, you know, we, we know that the, that the league is moving away from, from that, that kind of old school center, down low, get him the ball, you know, that sort of thing. But Anthony Davis is... He is that, but then he's also way more. He can stretch the floor. He can move around. He can knock threes. He can take you off the drive, that sort of stuff. I'm a little bit surprised with the, not how well Miritich is doing in the lineup, but how not well Boogie Cousins did kind of in a similar role because Boogie is really fucking skilled. He's really good, and he can stretch the floor and shoot threes and drive and do all that stuff just as well as Miritich can, or at least in theory, he should be able to. So I don't know what, if it was just the fact that like Davis and Boogie Cousins didn't work well together, what what was the real issue there? But it seems like this lineup without Boogie and with Miritich in it is much better than it was uh, with Boogie thrown in there instead. And I would have thought that they could be similar and then better with Boogie because you would just have him stretching the floor. I mean, Boogie is also a big guy who can knock down deep shots. Um, but yeah, I mean, Miritich to me, if he's like an X factor, if he can, if he can shoot well, I mean, that's just going to be awesome. In terms of minutes, the number one lineup right now, courtesy of stats.nba.com, Davis, Drew Holiday, Miritich, Etwan Moore, Rondo. They've clocked 79 minutes thus far in the playoffs. And that's, I'm worried about Rondo. That's in a sweep. Are you though? I don't know. So I'm worried about him. He's been playing lights out. Playoff, I mean, playoff in terms of Rondo. Of yeah, playoff Rondo. I mean, I was listening to some some sports radio the other day. They were talking about how he's been the best point guard in the NBA in the playoffs. I don't know if I'd go that far, but he's he's playing awesome. The, my issue with Rondo is that he's never been really good defensively, and he's 
kind of been like a slack ass on the defensive end at times. And if he's got to check uh, Steph Curry, then I think that that could be an issue, right? So, I mean, Ronald's going to have to step up his game in terms of defense. But I think that uh, if he can do that and sort of, I mean, you're never going to take Steph Curry out of the game no, no matter what. I mean, he's going to get his minimum absolute floor, 15 points a game. <laughs> like, you know, so I think you just got to kind of manage that and do the best you can with it. And then, you know, just have your two guys, uh, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, just absolutely ball out on the other end. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that scares me about New Orleans is that so they led the NBA in pace in the regular season, and that pace actually got faster when Boogie went down, and I don't think you can actually play with pace against the Warriors because they're just better than you, right? It's math. Uh, The more possessions there are in a game, the more likely the more talented team wins because there's just more outcomes. And if you actually shrink the number of outcomes in a basketball game, AKA limit the number of possessions, that's when you can create an upset because you allow more wonky things to happen because there's fewer outcomes in the model, right? Smaller sample size, more wonky outcomes. But the problem is the Pels play with such high pace that there's going to be so many possessions that I think the talent might bear out. So if I think New Orleans actually has to kind of play against their identity, kind of slow the game down. But then again, that might screw up with how they play the damn game and it might hurt them. So I think it's going to be an interesting series. I'd be interested in the Pelicans price, which is not listed right now, at least on Pinnacle. But I think ultimately the Dubs win one. But I think it's going to be a fun one. I hope it goes seven games. Uh, the reason that I started talking basketball is because you posted something on Twitter about us recording and the homie, the God Laird Doman reached out, said, of course, we're going to be breaking down jazz. OKC, right? Well, you know what, Laird? Yes, we are. We're going to talk about those fire sunset jerseys. How fun are the jazz DP? How fun is this team? Oh my gosh. They're so great. I mean, they have, they have a a bit of everything and it's just so, it's so awesome. And I, I just love seeing, I mean, I, I really like Russell Westbrook in terms of what he brings to the table, but for, for whatever reason, I just feel like this Thunder team is really, really unlikable, and I just really want them to lose. I mean, maybe that's just the Carmelo Anthony effect, the fact that I just really want Carmelo to lose all the time because I think that that guy's a loser, but I, I don't know. They, just, they, just, they don't have it, right, the, the Thunder. I mean, I think that's... I think that what we're seeing is just more evidence that Paul George is going to be one and done with them and then ship out to go somewhere else, likely to the Lakers. I mean, Carmelo Anthony is just, he's a disaster out there. I mean, I I really like Steven Adams, but he just kind of seems like, you know, he looks looking around like what the hell are these guys doing? And Russell Westbrook is looking around saying, what the hell are these guys doing? Just he's screaming it because he's an absolute psycho. Confirmed psycho. My, My favorite thing has been watching Ricky Rubio ball out in the playoffs. This is a guy that was playing competitive basketball in Spain by the age of 16. He had some amazing Olympic moments before most people can drink in. I thought he was playing pro at 14. In the United States. Was he a pro by 14? He could have been. So, so I mean, he's young, right? He's in his like late 20s, but he's kind of just withered away in the United States because of the team he was drafted on. And now that he's on a really good team with one of my favorite coaches in the league, Quint Snyder. He's been able to be Tricky Ricky, right? The guy that we were anticipating coming to America 
and he's been a joy to watch. He's absolutely dominated Russell Westbrook in this series. Yeah, Russ held him in check during the last game, but even while holding him in check, even while holding him to, I think it was two points, no assists uh, during the first like quarter and a half, Ricky Rubio was able to get that key foul on him on an inbound where Russ had no business trying to guard him 90 feet from the basket, but he irritated him, made him give up that foul, and Russ played the whole game in foul trouble. And So even when Rubio wasn't filling it up on the stat sheet, he was still doing these tiny little things to get under Russ's skin, and it's been a joy to watch him. Donovan Mitchell, you know, the Knicks definitely didn't need someone like Donovan Mitchell, you know, glad we didn't take him. I, I, I hate, I, I don't like hating on Frankie Nicotine. I think he's, he's a, I mean, he's obviously super young. He's a good defender. He could turn into something, but watching Donovan Mitchell dominate this year has been so brutal as a Knicks fan. Uh, God, I just love this team. Rudy Gobert plays his role, doesn't complain. Joe Ingles is just the classic scrappy YMCA pick and pop get the corner, make his shots type of guy. I love him just jabbing and yakking and yelling at playoff P. I mean, this this Jazz team is just so much fun to watch. It, and I, I, I hope that they can at least, like the Pelicans, put up a fight against the Rockets. But the Rockets, the last team we've, we can talk about, I don't know. I think they kind of just run this Jazz team out of the gym. Yeah, I mean, the one thing with me, Rockets versus Jazz, if it comes to that, and it, you know, it looks like it's going to, is just that um, I, Rudy Gobert, to me, while he's really great in what he does, he can't be that stretch five that I think is needed in today's NBA, right? Um, I mean, not that the Rockets have that. You know, Clint Capella isn't going to line up and shoot threes, but he can at the least Rockets, stretch sorry? the floor. He can at least stretch defensively. That's the thing about Clint. Clint, you're right. He doesn't have a deep shot. But on the defensive side of the ball, when they when a lot of teams try to run pick and roll and get Clint or get whoever the four or five is to switch out and play defense on the perimeter, like Clint can do that, man. Clint can get on the arc and not get put on skates, which I, I get what you're saying on the offensive end. He's not the best stretch stretch five. But from a defensive standpoint, even when you pick and roll and switch, like Capella can go out there and be just fine defending on the arc. Yeah, and you know, end of the day, I mean, they're just the Jazz are just going to have to be able to shoot with the Rockets, right? I mean, the Rockets play wide open, no fucking defense whatsoever, um, but they score 135 points a game, so that's what you're going to need. I mean, I would, I think what we're seeing now with a lot of the Joe Inglis versus Paul George, I would love to see that in the next round with Joe Inglis on James Harden. I think that you can do a similar sort of get in his head play that way against Harden. I think it would be super fun. I mean, we saw it a couple of times this year, most notably to me being a Boston fan, just seeing how Marcus Smart played really hard-nosed defense kind of in your face against Harden and just got in Harden's head and made him commit a couple of fouls, grab a technical here or there that he wouldn't normally do. Uh, I mean, Harden's a guy who likes to just shoot the ball, right? Then just get up in his grill, bump him a lot, you know, give him the basically the Chris Paul treatment, but the other way. I think that that's going to be super fun to see all around. Can't wait to see Chris Paul versus Ricky Rubio. I think that's going to be fun. Donovan Mitchell is going to be a ton of fun in that series as well. There's a lot of really, really good matchups. Um, I mean, the Rockets, to me, I'm not – I think that they're really good, but I just – don't know how much I'm sold on them. I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to the NBA playoffs, I mean, we know the the, the NBA regular season, it, it is what it is. You know, teams are playing for the playoffs, but they're not going crazy. 
Um, and when it comes down to it, and you know, you need to win a game 93 to 90. Can the Rockets do that? Can they buckle down and play defense and win a closer, lower scoring game? I don't know. I don't think they play that way. I don't think D'Antoni coaches that way. So I'm a little bit worried uh, in them in that sense. And I could see myself taking uh, the the Jazz at a good price if I can get it to advance in that series. They're definitely going to be the smarter team. Quinn Snyder is leagues better as a coach than D'Antoni. And I mean, D'Antoni rolls the balls out and says, go shoot threes, guys. <laughs> like, And the Jazz... The way that they play the game of basketball is kind of perfect for how you need to crack the Rockets code, right? Like, they're the opposite of what I just said about New Orleans Warriors, where New Orleans led the league in pace. Uh, the Jazz were near the bottom of the league in pace. They were 25th in pace, number two in defensive rating, trailing only your Boston Celtics. So they can slow the game down and they can muck it up. And that's the type of style that you want to implement when you're going to be playing a free-flowing, wide-open Rockets offense that wants to keep the pace of the game moving, spread it out, and get those threes going. Again, the fewer possessions there are, the more chance there is for variance, the more chance there is for a bad shooting night to really adversely affect the team. And I can see jazz rockets going you know six games I, I think the jazz are going to make that series competitive just because of their style and quinn snyder just being a terrific basketball coach and that's our little nba i'm glad we chatted a little nba love the nba i mean these these nba playoffs are really 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 fun God, a lot of fun this year there's just so much talent across the league man it's wild how competitive the top 16 teams are in this league. Like um, imagine if we took 16 teams from the NFL and put them in the playoffs. How bad. What do you mean the the, the Patriots fall into the AFC Championship <laughs> game, you know, roll over into the Super Bowl. So there's the AFC's already out of the picture. Like like the Titans, <laughs> there's only 12 NFL teams that make the playoffs. The Titans made the playoffs last year. Yeah. The Titans didn't make the playoffs. Like, like how bad is the average level of play in that league? Yeah, I love the NBA. All right, that's the pod. A little long. Hope you guys enjoy it. Maybe we'll be back to talk some more NBA. Maybe not. We will see. Just keep a lookout at Gridiron Gamble on Twitter. Give DP a shout at Donnie underscore Peters. And I'm at Rich T. Ryan. Thanks again for listening. Love your support so much, guys. Until next time, peace. Out. Peace.